Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we'll be talking about certainty, a topic that feels more important than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. Uh, we typically do this with Paul Sparks, but he's not here today. He's all gallivanting in San Diego with Dr. Jeff Spencer. Uh, but, you know, the reason why we started the show, there was a wise man that said, if you look at the last three years by months, turn all your negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that was Dan Nicholson. So uh, I, am, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below, share this episode right now. And that way we can all grow together. And today we've got PD, uh, someone that I have been really impressed with. I met at DJ Engineering 3.0 and I became in uh, where I personally became enamored with certainty. So he had a chance to speak on a panel and there were some really insightful things I heard from him, but before we get into that, I want to really just jump into your story. Yeah. So uh, we were talking before the show, uh, you've got multiple businesses uh, before or still uh, before you, uh, I met you. So did you take the traditional career path or did you just jump right into businesses? Mm. How did you get into, into business? That's a great question. And I think this whole concept of certainty is really interesting because oftentimes people really need certainty to be able to take action. Mm -hmm. Well, the kind of like the basis of my entire life is being uncertain and still taking action. Yeah. And so um, I had a hard time following through with college, like, you know, being the, from where I'm from, my parents came to this country with the idea of giving me an opportunity to get a college education, get a good job, become a doctor, become a lawyer. That's the traditional brown people thing that come to this country, right? And I'm first generation, so it's a lot of pressure. And um, so they always wanted me to go to school, get a good degree, become a doctor, whatever it was. And I would just go to school and I was like, I don't want to learn any of this stuff. I was totally not in any way intrigued in continuing that process. And I'm a very curious person. So like, if you give me something that's interesting, I want to learn everything about it. This was in uh, middle school, high school, and in somehow, some way, I would just keep like a 3.0 average by barely doing anything to survive, right? And so I started going to college and ended up leaving college after about two years. Didn't work for me. And I got a couple jobs in sales and I was like, whoa, I can sell stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't want to sell gym stuff anymore. So I actually started personal training and I started selling my own services. So while I was going to school, I was also basically doing at-home personal training. So that entrepreneurship was always within me. Like I didn't really want to go to school. I was getting my college degree to keep my parents happy, yeah. but I was building this personal training business. And there's so much value that came from coaching other people because you get to learn all the nuances of how human minds work and what keeps them limited and what keeps them struggling. And because I saw it within myself as well. Right. right? And there's a, there's a constant reflection taking place. And so there was this bug for me to create something of my own. Like I don't like authority. I don't want to be told what to do. Um, I don't think anybody has the authority to tell me what to do. And so with that comes great responsibility. Yeah. Because if you don't want authority to tell you what to do, well, you have to be able to tell yourself what to do. And so it was a constant evolution. Um, I look back and I was very fortunate throughout my twenties. There was a lot of health issues that I experienced. And I think a lot of that was based off, I'd say repressed emotion that i never learned to process. So I had a lot of great ideas in my twenties, but I couldn't execute because I was 
constantly focused on things I couldn't control. And I think something you're trying to control that you couldn't, um, just my environment around me, you know, like there was a lot of dysfunction that I grew up within. So there was a lot of conflict that I always needed to, I felt a need to have to remedy, like be the mediator of, and my attention was really pulled in those directions, but this family, friends, yeah, yeah okay. family. And, um, cause I think a lot of people have that nagging family stuff that mm -hmm. always, they don't really know how to address. And for me, I, it was important to try to clear the stuff up. I learned later on that I can't change anyone. So, um, but I, I go back to this idea of like, I had a lot of significant health issues that gave me incredible perspective in my mid twenties that I don't think a lot of people would get if they didn't have those. What kind of health issues? Um, so I had a collapsed lung five times between the ages of 18 and 22, ended up having surgery for it. And then I had meningitis at 26 and that was, that was like death. You yeah. know, I really felt like I was going to die. Um, and the, the side effects basically lasted for four five, six years afterwards. So for me, it was like a constant mirror that I had to look at. I, I, I always had myself right in front of me and I had to account for that because like I was dealing with so much shit at the time that felt like it was out of my control, but I come to know now that it was actually all in my control. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that was a great opportunity for me to, to learn how to deal with a bunch of shit that comes with entrepreneurship that comes with having a ton of responsibility that comes with the unknown. Right. And so I evolved that personal training business eventually into starting my own gym because of the side effects I would have from meningitis, I'd had a ton of joint issues and mus muscular issues. And so I made it a point to learn how to become an expert at helping people with that. Yeah. And so I created my own gym. Um, and that was a really successful gym, but I learned very quickly that it wasn't what I was supposed to do. It was the thing that I thought people would approve of because I finally accomplished something, right? Yeah. And I got into crypto at the same time and I made a ton of money in crypto. So when was this that you... 2017. The 2017, you got a successful gym. Yeah. Where? This is uh, in Alfreda, Georgia. Okay. Yep. And so you got a successful gym and then you start dabbling in crypto. Yes. I was at that time I was dabbling. What felt like I was swinging around heavy money. It was just dabbling at the yeah. time. Um, and so any money I was making, I was just funneling into Ethereum at like 60 or $70. Yeah. Um, and everybody thought I was crazy. And then Ethereum 20X that year, and everybody thought I was a genius. And then I thought I was a genius, and then I lost everything. <laughs> that's, that's like <laughs> the trap we all fall into. Yeah. Um, so it was really interesting, because like 2017 was an incredible year. It was my first year owning my gym. My business took off immediately. It was like everything I knew that I was capable of all happened right away. I took all that money that I made. I invested it into crypto. That 10 x and I'm like on top of the world, like, yes, I figured it out. And then 2018, 2019 was a bear market. And all I did was buy the dip. So all I did was get crushed for two years. Um, and so those was, were... You still have your gym in 2018, 19? Yeah, I didn't actually close my gym until September 2020 because I just didn't want to deal with all the political stuff that was taking place. Yeah. And like all I had to do to keep my gym open, which was like what I had learned at that time was very small money. Cause I'm very fortunate. So there was a point in 2019 where I got tired of the gym stuff, but I knew that I had something that I could leverage. So I was like, well, why don't I try the online space? Let's see what that's about. I see some people's ads running by me. Mm -hmm. And I've also learned from people that run ads for me for my gym. And through them, I've kind of opened my world and my network to some other ideas. At that time, 
I didn't even know what online marketing was. I had no clue. Um, I was just in my gym running my 12 hour, you know, every single day grinding. And so I came across some online internet marketing coaches and I was like, well, I can give that a try. All these, all these people are doing it. Yeah. I hired a couple of people to film some videos for me, run some ads for me, six months of just crickets, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And uh, by this time, I'm so deep into debt. I owe a significant amount of money to my parents. My business has fallen off because all my attention was into crypto by this time. Mm -hmm. And so it was a struggle. Uh, I put this coaching program on a credit card. It was like another $10,000. And uh, yeah, it just, that was the turning point. Um, I saw, like I made a sale within the first couple of weeks. It was like an $8,000 sale. So a coaching program for helping with internet marketing. Yeah, they were teaching me how to market my service, which was like health coaching services, right? Okay. But I just had a kind of slightly different approach to the traditional health coaching. And so once I made that first $8,000 sale over the phone, it opened my eyes to a like a whole different world. Um, a few months later, I had had a bunch of success in a coaching program. He asked me to come partner with him. And that business ended up taking off. And um, we did a few million dollars the first year we were in business. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what led into COVID. We took off during COVID. So I was able to close my gym because our business took off during, yeah. during COVID. And I was actually teaching other gym owners, and other personal trainers how to do what I've been doing. Uh, it's weird, man. It happened so fast. Well, it's, it's really interesting because like gyms is one of those industries that's really what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a lot of people talk about it in the information marketing side, mm -hmm. right? Because, and I remember when I first read about it, there I was actually Alex Hermosi who I was following. He's my, the first mentor that I had actually. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, he started gym launch, um, basically the same time I opened my gym. So I was on the phone with him when he was still sending salespeople out. Yeah. So I saw that whole evolution. I saw that whole process and that was really helpful for me actually, because right. he's a Persian guy really successful. I was like, Oh, he can do that. Yeah. Okay. So I can do that too. And it's really just being yourself. But it was, it, what's interesting is like, Oh, so like there's all these guys selling gyms. So like, you know, obviously there's a super profitable business. Then you hear like, actually this is one of the most cutthroat. It is. It industries is. to get into. When I opened my gym, I was like one of maybe three or four gyms in the area. By the time Hormozy caught on, there was like 15 gyms in yeah. a square mile radius of like three or four miles. The competition was ridiculous and everybody was running ads and they were all running Hormozy's ads. So it was everybody <laughs> making the same offer to everyone. And I was like, this is awful. I hate this. Like, isn't yeah. that why I got into business? I see how it's profitable. I see how it's working, but I'm not emotionally connected to a bait and switch. Mm -hmm. You know, it just didn't work for me, um, which is great because I've always followed that intuition. Like if it doesn't work for me, if it doesn't align with, you know, my principles, um, I just move forward and it really does kind of fall into this idea of certainty. I see in the world so often that people need all the answers. They need a clear map. They need everything to be laid out for it to work for them. Mm -hmm. But if that was the case, like everyone could do it. Yeah. Right. So there, there needs to be some layer of like courage or, you know, gumption where you can take risks without knowing and see what happens and then evolve once you receive new information. And that kind of falls right into the principles that, right. you know, through certainty. So you, it took off 20 X in 17, 18 
yeah. and then you had this bearish market where so you were a genius and then you were then depressed. I was an idiot <laughs> yes. right when did it turn back around well for you the beauty of my life is like it when it rains it pours in the best ways and sometimes in the worst ways but I find I always find to find make the worst ways into the lessons that make the best ones really valuable so like everything was kind of messed up for me in 2019 2018 2019 and then 2020 when COVID happened our business started really popping off and at the same time I was taking all that money and investing it into the dip when mm -hmm. the crash happened so when I saw that crash happen and the money printer was going to start printing digital stuff on the screen mm -hmm. I was like I need to get my money out of the dollar and I was telling everyone I could get a hold of I actually started sharing my journey with crypto publicly on Facebook and at that time, there wasn't a lot of Facebook gurus. Mm -hmm. And I never really wanted to be the guru. I just wanted to share what I saw that I felt like a lot of people weren't even paying attention to. And that was, you know, the corrupt nature of fractional reserve banking mm -hmm. and uh, the way that money can be printed on demand. I just felt like this doesn't make sense. It makes, total, it, it, it makes zero sense. And it's one of those things where you sleep pretty good when you believe it. Well, it's like Santa Claus. you sleep with nightmares, but you're sleeping. So at yeah. least you know that you can sleep, right? But it's like Santa Claus, right? Like you believe like everything's good mm -hmm. and then you find out how it really works and it's kind of depressing. Yeah. And for me, it's empowering Yeah, because it, it justifies all of my inclinations, all of my intuition, all of like the gut feeling that I've always followed. And that's a hard thing for most people because uncertainty is like goes back to this idea, I need to know everything, but your intuition knows. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need all the external information sometimes. And everything that I felt has been off is now I'm seeing like regardless of principles or intuition, it's all manipulated, right? right. The, all these markets are driven by a few people. And that's not to say negative or positive. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's just yeah, the way I that think, it is. Uh, was it the, the creature from Jekyll Island? Right? If anyone really wants to get into this, like look that into is, that. That's really good. Uh, so, all right. Um, so you're talking about this mm -hmm. uh, on social media, you're saying on Facebook at that time? Yeah, I was posting like crazy on social media at the time. Like all these coins that are now what we think cheap, they were like three, four times cheaper than this. Mm -hmm. And I was just buying everything up. And every time I would get a paycheck, I was like, I'm putting it all in. I'm putting it all in um, and sharing it along the way. And I, there's, it's funny because a lot of people that are in my circle now um, came to me and they were like, hey, I'm not gonna lie to you. When you were sharing all that stuff, I was hoping you would lose and fall on your face so I could laugh. Yeah. But I started seeing like it was working and you were making money. And look, there's something to be said. I, I got lucky that my intuition was right then. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's plenty of other times where I, my intuition told me something and it was wrong. So, yeah. you know, like I got lucky that that one time it worked and that was kind of the catalyst. You know, we business kept taking off in 2020. Um, and crypto just kept making what I was making even more. And really I, I saw an out. Cause as much as I love coaching people and helping people, I also know that when my heart is not in it, I'm not really there for them anymore. I'm there because I have an obligation. And mm -hmm. so that's my time where I need to like step aside. Yeah. And fortunately crypto afforded me that opportunity. And I was early, then I was late, then I was early, you know, mm -hmm. enough times where it finally worked. All right. And I just learned, you know, I learned from my mistakes in the past, all the times that I continue to do the same things, hoping for different results. I started doing the opposite things this time mm -hmm. and it started working. And, um, 
we created Moonshot. Uh, somehow, some way, I was sharing all my stuff, and uh, Mario was a friend of mine through a mastermind that we were in, and he reached out to me, and we were kind of just chat, chatting here and there, and he started digging into shit coins, mm -hmm. right? And these are like the highest risk coins you could possibly buy. The majority of them are literally created by people just to rug pull you. Mm -hmm. um, it's impossible, what seems like to me, to pick something that wins. And this guy just kept hitting on them. He was mm -hmm. like five for five. He turned $80 into 300 grand in a few months. And I was like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And at, by this time I had had, I had grown a pretty reasonable following of people who respected what I was doing wanted to pay me for like just helping them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I never really wanted to offer them anything. I never really wanted to sell them anything. But then when I saw what he was doing, I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like you can, you have a system that works mm -hmm. and it's like, you can show, he showed it to me step by step exactly what he's doing. And I was like, whoa, let's, let's offer this to people. And we ran yeah. a masterclass. We sold out in like a few minutes, I think. And then we did it again and again and again. And it just kept selling out over and over. And we still have a mastermind right now to this day where um, it's like three, 300 plus people that are in there. Yeah, I had no idea you were involved in Moonshot. Yeah, it's my uh, Mario and myself are partners in that. So one thing, I mean, you learn along the way because we're talking about certainty now, right? Like you got to experience this rise and fall and rise. And fall. And fall. And so, rise and fall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the most recent event. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think one of the things that we want to talk about is rushing, mm. uh, right? Like, and, 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 fear of missing out. So like, what lessons did you learn there? Uh, and not just like, cause it's easy to say that uh, at a high level, but like what lessons are there that you learned and then how can someone apply it today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, being willing to observe your feelings in the moment is really huge. I don't think enough people recognize how much emotion drives action. And oftentimes those actions are out of alignment with the thing that you want, mm -hmm. but it seems reasonable because it's a reaction to an emotion that you're feeling. And in order to like feel comfortable with that feeling, you got to do something. Got to take action. You got to take action. Doesn't matter what it to is. To close that gap of uncertainty, right? Yeah. But instead of just sitting there and allowing for that uncertainty to take place and then observing it and just recognizing that it's taking place and it's okay. Because I say this all the time. And I don't think enough people truly recognize the the meaning behind this. It's oftentimes not the feel our feelings that get us in trouble. It's our feelings about our feelings. So I feel fear. And because of that fear that I feel, I feel subconscious guilt and shame of it because I'm not supposed to be afraid. Mm -hmm. Right? Society tells me fear is yeah. not right. Yeah. And so I'm consciously or subconsciously built to feel guilt and shame about the feelings that I'm having that I know society doesn't accept. And that's where the, the circle takes place. And that's mm -hmm. where action is necessary because we fill our cup with so much emotion that we can't process that action has to happen mm -hmm. to fill that gap. And so the, the thing that I've really started to implement for myself that helps me is learning how to be still, learning how to be self-observing, learning how to recognize those feelings and then instead of having to act on them, just observing them. Yeah. Because that act in and of itself of observance allows for you to step back and be cognitive, co cognizant of self and all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes in your thoughts. Like there's multiple thoughts that take place in your mind, right? You know that there's a, a voice sometimes that tells you some stupid shit you don't want to mm -hmm. hear. And then there's the rational mind. Mm -hmm. And Observing allows for you to step out of the irrational thoughts, the irrational behavior. And sometimes it's as simple as doing the opposite. Mm 
of what you feel inclined to do. Sounds a lot like stoicism. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that Nick Peterson talks quite a bit about. So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of more or less concisely was able to explain we all know to buy low and sell high. Mm. We all know it logically. And yet more than half, if not 80% or 90% do, like the 85, yeah, do the exact opposite. Yeah. And this is, I'll tell you from my experience, the thing that was really hard for me was when I did that, the, the guilt and shame that came with it because I knew not to, and I did it anyway. Yeah. And then because I did that, I expected myself to behave the same way the next time because I had set precedent for myself. Right, a lot of consistency. Yeah, exactly. And so it became a, self, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy at mm-hmm. one point. It's almost like I remember in my 20s when I would play basketball, I rolled my ankle a few times. And when I would go back to the court, my first thought would be, God, I hope I don't roll my ankle again. What do you think I would do? I'd roll my ankle roll again. Ankle. Yeah. Similarly speaking, especially in something so volatile as a crypto market, like we just keep doing the same thing because it's what we know to do, not because it yields us the same result, but it's because it's consistent and we're comfortable with that consistency, even though it's ruining our fucking lives. What was it? The, uh, the certainty of misery. Certainty of misery. Yeah. People versus prefer the, the, versus certain, the misery of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People would rather be really, really sure that they're going to have a terrible life than to be unsure that they might have a good life. And that principle in and of itself, if you learn to live by it, makes everything so much easier, but it requires a lot of like self, what's the word for it? You know, willingness to reflect on yourself, Mm -hmm. willingness to actually know that like, Hey, there's an ego mind that's trying to control my, my reality by attacking, attaching my current behavior to my past experiences. Yeah. You know? And so like that stuff is, I don't know. I don't need to know technology. I don't need to know um, the next best innovation. I, I feel really comfortable knowing myself. And because of that, being comfortable with my flaws, my weaknesses, and then that allows for me to kind of anticipate how other humans might yeah. think and feel and behave, you know? So that gives me my unfair advantage is I'm willing to see my own shit and then learn from it, apply it, and then it helps me see everything else a lot more clearly. And at the end of the day, markets are just a reflection of human emotion. Like the green and red candles mm-hmm. are often merely just a digital reflection of how humans think and feel. Yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is, you know, fear of missing out. So I'm, I want to talk about fear of missing out, but then I'm going to ask you a more challenging question behind that. So yep. let's talk about fear of missing out. Like how does that lead into the craziness oh, in, in the crypto world? Yeah. Well, I think fear of missing out is based on um, fundamental desperation. It's as if, like, we're basing our current reaction off of something that's scarce. And I can assure you, in five years of being in this market, the market always comes back. Mm -hmm. It always comes back to me. It always comes back to you, whoever it is. And we're making these decisions, these rash, irrational decisions, because we see other people succeeding or we see other people doing something and it's all very competitive based because if you don't know what it is that you want, you're just going to do stuff that other people are doing, hoping that you get similar results, Mm -hmm. but not really knowing what to do. And so, you know, Nick and Dan talk about this all the time is, you know, certainty is 
creating some clarity about what it is that you actually want before you take action. Yeah. How else can you take action that leads you to what you want? And so FOMO is the exact opposite of that. Right. Because you're just reacting to your concern that somebody else might be ahead of you. But in reality, that's how people stay ahead of you is by worrying about what other people are doing. Yeah. You know, um, and in crypto, it's, I, I don't say this from like some high horse. I'm perfectly susceptible to this as well. If Bitcoin pumps a couple thousand dollars, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want a piece of that. <laughs> but in reality, I should be buying Bitcoin when it's down a couple thousand dollars. Right. You know, that's just human nature. And that's kind of what I was going back to is this idea of like being able to recognize that human nature, that need to react and just paying, watching it, observing right. it and like detaching from the feelings that come with it. Because that's really what FOMO is, is you're attached to your feelings and you're reacting to them. Are there any questions you ask yourself to kind of like yeah. reflect on, in, in that moment? That's like seriously one of the best questions you can ask is, and it's so simple. It's like, what range of feelings could I be feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And what do these feelings necessarily um, feel like, right? Like physically, what do they feel like? And then just n literally just telling myself that it's okay to have that, like to mm -hmm. experience that, to accept them. Because th that's part of the society that we're in is in order to be successful, you can't have feelings. And that's just the furthest thing from the truth. I think why a lot of people have a hard time applying strategies, tactics, so on and so forth, is because they're so bogged down with feelings that are unprocessed that they can't see clearly how to take action right now. And I think most people miss that. They're like, oh, you need to fix your mindset. Not really. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's been the biggest breakthrough for me, man. The biggest thing that's changed the, the, trend, the, the direction of my life has just been knowing how to recognize the feelings that I'm going through yeah. and then accepting them and then just moving on and not thinking about it anymore. Because if you don't accept it and you don't recognize it, your body keeps score. Like it counts those emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Whether or not our consciousness is there, our body is keeping score and it's remembering and it's feeling it the whole time. But then you're having to process and filter new information through that, which is why like it's hard. All this stuff is hard. Well, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned this mindset thing a moment ago, right? Because I think one of the th things we talk a lot about, you got to fix your mindset, you got to fix your mindset. And it's easy to say. It's what the bros say because right. they don't actually know how to fix their mindset. But <laughs> what I've learned recently, right, in the last 12 or so months is that you've got some blockage from your, uh, from, you know, your uh, upbringing. Mm, definitely. Right. And you got to process some of that. And you can't, if you can't, process some of that like that's what's inhibiting your mindset it's oh, not necessarily it's the filter that you see everything through right yeah imagine if you had a past trauma mm -hmm. that you never really processed and that is just lingering in the back of your mind all the time and you yeah. have this terrible fear about it all the time don't you think that that might inhibit your ability to take action on stuff that's important because you're yeah. so afraid of what might happen in fact I think it's even less about childhood and I think it's more about current adulthood mm -hmm. because yes, the root problem is where that is, but I think that's the easy thing. Like ask an adult to process their current feelings and they'll laugh at you because mm -hmm. they think it's silly. Yeah. And the mere fact that they're laughing about it mm -hmm. and unwilling to process it goes to show you how far down they are in their ego mind because the ego mind, you've got to be able to willingly accept that it exists, but not mm -hmm. fall susceptible to it constantly. Like 
This is how you win in games of markets that are super volatile yeah. is being able to separate yourself from your ego and being able to make decisions that make sense relative to what you want. It's not like science. It's the, it doesn't matter what the TA is. Like TA won't matter when humans are acting irrationally. So I think let's take a step back. Let's just explain what TA is. I'm not sure everyone knows what that oh, is. Oh, technical analysis, yeah. like just reading charts and seeing Candles patterns. and greens and reds. Right, exactly. And yeah. that can work. I mean, all stuff can work, but fundamentally I boil down everything down to the root issue because I don't, I'm not a big symptom server. You know, I want to find the root and get to the end of it so that I can move forward. And I think a lot of the issues that happen in people having trouble in any market, whether that's real estate, crypto, stocks, whatever, is the guilt and the shame from the previous mistakes that compound over time because it makes it foggier and foggier to be able to discern what's real and what's not through your current perception if you're basing everything off your past experience and your past experiences have been losses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's a cycle. That's why markets are there. Why, you know, I wonder why people think that like markets exist. Why might a market exist? Some very wealthy people probably wanted to leverage mm -hmm. their assets. And let's just face it. They have control over those markets. And just because I grew up 30, or I was born 30 years ago, doesn't mean that I understand what, what happened a hundred years ago. Right. And I think a lot of us live through this paradigm of, this current reality that we have couldn't have rooted far beyond what I'm capable of knowing and what people are capable of doing. So it's a, it's a very volatile dance that we're playing and I enjoy the game. I just recognize the game I'm playing. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm not going to play it. It just means I'm not naming something that's not what it is. And that, that way I can separate my emotions from it. Well, that kind of goes back to, right? Like again, going back to learning the, the federal reserve, right? Mm. I first learned about, it, I was like, well, this is, stupid and outrageous but then it's like well we're in the game we still have to play the game there was an interesting quote i don't remember who it was from when it was said but and i'm probably and i'm paraphrasing it but it was something of the um elk of like anybody who understands how this system works mm -hmm. will either utilize it for their own good mm -hmm. or succumb to the system yeah and neither party will ever complain mm -hmm. and it, it couldn't be more true yeah. Like if you really know how to use the system, it is built for us. However, most of us do not actually know how to ever get to the point of using the system for what it's built for because we're letting the system use us. Right. Yeah. Federal Reserve notes are very interesting. <laughs> we can go into that for a long time. Probably that, not. That's a, a whole idea. different episode. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about FOMO, right? So um, your partners with Mario, right? Mm -hmm. You guys do uh, have the moonshot um, uh, mastermind. So I don't know if this ever happened. But let's say Mario sends you a message right now on Telegram. Yep. Like PD, there's this thing right now. Oh, plenty of times it happened. You yeah. got to jump on it. Like there's like a 20 minute window. What do you do? Because this is rushing and FOMO. Well, it depends on the source, right? Um, and it also depends on the relativity of what you're investing mm -hmm. relative to how much you have to invest. Mm -hmm. So like if you have a hundred bucks and your friend is messaging you and telling you, hey, you need to jump on this. I probably wouldn't put that money in. But if you have like $100,000 and your friend is like, hey, put 100 bucks into this and your friend has been successful doing this, then I'm far more likely to take the chance that he's going to do it, which is kind of what happened in 2021. But here's the thing that it becomes more and more clear as we're in markets. These markets are all built on top of each other's liquidity. So really all this is, is a big liquidity squeeze. Like people stack their money in. 
-hmm. and then people take their money out. Mm -hmm. People stack their money up and then they take their money out. So like either you are the exit liquidity or you're benefiting from exit liquidity. And I got to tell you, I was getting exit liquidity left and right because I, this is so funny. It's so easy to tell someone to buy something, mm -hmm. but the profits are made when you sell. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to know when to sell and it's not anybody's job to ever tell you when to sell or ever even tell you when to buy, to be honest with right. you. Um, so that, that's the interesting concept here is like the way to make money is when you sell. And I don't think most people pay attention to the idea of actually selling. They buy stuff mm -hmm. and think that I'll just hold it forever. But that's how liquidity works. People want you to just hold forever yep. so that they can squeeze the liquidity out. And then you have to wait longer and longer and longer. And that's how every market works. Whether we want to believe it or not, that's how the markets work. Yeah. So it's like the longer you actually stay in the market, the more susceptible you are to the exit liquidity taking place. And I've lost so much money doing that. I think the best lessons come from the losses, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I've been susceptible to FOMO so many times. I'm, I'm a human being. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, the trick is, is just because I had FOMO, not to beat myself up about it. So yeah. the next decision that I make is actually a logical one, not one based on a prior decision. You know, yeah. not trying to remedy, not trying to make my money back. That's, that's when we're in the casino, you know, <laughs> like what do you, who, when do you hear people say, oh, I got to win my money back. Yeah. That's casino shit. The casino <laughs> is built to take your money. Like what's the difference? There's not a whole lot. So, um, one thing you said uh, much earlier in the conversation was talking about, uh, the certainty and like, I need to know everything before I take action. Yeah. And the one thing uh, I've learned from, uh, Nick recently going through Nixmas, uh, which you can find a success finder, yep. uh, is the more thorough the plan and the more thought you put into it and the more things that are going to go that have to happen perfectly, the less likely that they will, that you'll succeed. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Cause you've coached people yep. that want everything to be perfect before they take action. Yeah. It's funny because that's really where Nick and I connected was that concept, right? Like mm -hmm. just understanding how humans behave and truly understanding this need for certainty to take action. And like, let's take, for example, markets. Okay. Cause this is, you know, a show about investing, right? So, um, you can tell somebody like, well, I remember when Ethereum was $69, right? And I was telling all my, my family members, Hey, like get in, this is, this thing is going to be really significant in the future. I don't know what's going to happen short term, but I have a feeling that this is going to be really, really big in the long term. And they were like, nah, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. So ETH went to a hundred bucks and I, I was like, you guys could still get in. This is really still a good opportunity. And then ETH went to like 150 bucks and they were like, Hey, so about that ETH thing, what happened is they started to see positive movement and that positive movement triggered them to believe that this is good. This is working. This is something that I can benefit from. Now I want to exploit this versus exploring something. Mm -hmm. I think that's a whole other level of certainty, right? And so because they want to exploit it, they ended up needing three times in terms of price impact, more certainty before they could take action. So what really that means is all those people between 70 and $180 where they entered were, were needing less certainty to take action. And so through that need for more certainty, you take more risk. Mm -hmm because you waited longer. And so it's calculated, right? It's about knowing yourself, knowing your intuition so that you can make calculated decisions on the fly when new information presents itself 
versus having this very rigid plan of strict, like it has to be like this. Mm -hmm. I have to take these steps. Other people did it like this. They told me that I need to do it like this, just like them, and then I'll be successful. Oftentimes that leads you doing stuff that you don't actually want to do, that you're mm -hmm. not truly aligned with, that you're actually trying to replicate somebody what somebody else did, so you're not really passionate about this. You're just doing it for the sake of money. And so all those compounding factors lead you to be doing it for all the wrong reasons with yeah. all the wrong energy, right? And late. So like you have more risk on the table actually. And so I think there's a counter belief. People think that if I have more certainty, there's less risk. Mm -hmm. Well, that would imply that the people who needed less certainty have more risk. Well, they do when it comes to doing something early, but they also have infinite upside right. that benefits from your needing certainty. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like just from that principle alone, it doesn't mean the person who bought at 180 lost. Mm -hmm. It just means that they're susceptible to everyone who bought beforehand. Right. And similarly, like in business, like if you need the certainty for all these things to be established for you to feel comfortable to take action in your business, by then people are probably already doing something different. Yeah. Because everybody is now doing this and it won't be as effective. Well, you got to see it with the Hermosi ads. I'm, this is, that's why I was so grateful and appreciative of that experience because it taught me so much about how someone can be really successful and my innate urge to want to replicate what they do to have their success so that mm -hmm. I could have the things that I've always wanted. When in reality, I just wanted to do the things that I wanted to do and I have the choice to do that. Mm -hmm. And if you have the faith to just do the things you want to do all the time and not worry about the result, which means like, I don't need to be certain what's going to happen. Yeah. I can just do what I want to do. I, I really just feel like whatever it is rewards you in some form or fashion. And people want to call that luck, but I just call that like a high risk tolerance that was well, rewarded. Yeah, look at that, right? So you got to benefit from it because you were, you jumped in early, but then everyone that jumped in after you did not get the same upside. In fact, they were probably too late because it was no longer effective. And they waited longer to sell because they had less upside and saw how much upside other people had before them. And now they're comparing themselves to the people who got in, wanting to have the same results, but getting in three times later and oftentimes becoming exit liquidity because of it. Yeah. You see, and I don't mean that in like some harsh, I mean, that's just what it is. If people truly understand how liquidity works, people put money in, people take money out. That is how it works. And yeah. if you want things decentralized, where there isn't a central figure like the banking system, the Federal Reserve, telling you how money should flow and how much money is printed and how they're rewarding your, your school loans back, you've got to be willing to deal with decentralization, which means incredibly high risk, mm -hmm. which means needing to know yourself really, really well and how you apply yourself with tremendous volatility and risk. And those people who can maintain themselves throughout that generally benefit more than the ones who want less risk. And it doesn't make either person a better person. It just means one person's probably going to get better results. Yeah. And it's such a massive paradigm shift mm -hmm. to go like the more certainty you have, the more risk or the more likely you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. Yes. And it, it's, it is a paradigm shift, but it's actually the exact thing that we talked about fundamentally at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's doing the opposite of what you feel inclined to do through emotion. Yeah. It's the opposite. Everything that we have been led to believe is actually the opposite. And the more, because the opposite is actually in line with intuition. It actually feels right. It actually makes sense. 
when you think about the banking system, it doesn't make sense, but we swallow it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we actually aligned our behavior and our actions with things that make sense, imagine the benefits we could have. Right. Right. So, uh, so you can see why, right. I was enamored like presentation, uh, when we met at, at DGen 3.0 and then you got something coming up. Yes. Um, so we are doing the gray wolf summit in mm -hmm. November. Um, we'll leave a link for you. I think I shared the link yep. for you guys. Um, gray wolf summit is going to be incredible. Um, just a bunch of thought leaders coming together to really create a community of people that are building something um, with a purpose, you know, like crypto stuff aside, the biggest contributor to all of this that makes us want to keep going is the community that we've built and mm -hmm. the people in the community. And like, you know, the stuff we talk about today, it's not a common knowledge, No, it's you not. know, and it's not a common form of communication. It's, and it's nice to be able to have a community that speaks the same language that, that, you know, um, has the same principles that it is willing to develop these things together. So Grey Wolf Summit is going to be an amazing educational experience. Probably won't talk much about crypto at all. Yeah. Um, but again, more about principles and knowing yourself and making yourself a better human so that it can allow for you to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, people get really triggered by that. They're like, look, I want to make more money and I don't have time for this get better at me stuff. I want to make money now. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, we see where you are on mm -hmm. your, on your journey and I totally empathize and I'm compassionate for you, but I'm just not in the same place mm -hmm. where I can operate that way. Um, so yeah, it's going to be at a great event. I think it's November 10th and 11th here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, should be our biggest event yet. I think it'll be about 300 people. Yeah. A lot of fun. And then, uh, are you coming to Denver next month? Yes, I'm supposed to. That should yeah. be good. So yeah. Yeah. You can meet PD, meet me, and also we'll be there in DGen 4.0 mm -hmm. or Grey Wolf. Yes, it is rebranded Grey Wolf Summit. Grey Wolf Summit. Right here on the hat. There we go. Right, you can in zoom November. in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the what's the best way to do that? Um, find me on the Success Finder. Uh, I think it's Pedram Sheargear on the Success, Success Finder. I'll leave you guys a link mm -hmm. um, for it there. Uh, we, we're basically developing this new platform for people to focus their attention and time and energy on actually learning concepts that they can apply. And it's a kind of a distraction free zone. So we want to kind of move our people to a place where they're actually able to absorb information versus it just being one of those clicks amongst all the other notifications. So yeah, yeah I'll share that all with you guys. All right, perfect. And if you guys want to join us next month uh, in Denver, go to blockchainwales.com. You can find out more about our event. Thank you so much. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. On. Thanks for having me. It was an awesome conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you. See you guys later.